Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you've chosen to press play on this podcast today. My name is Johnny and I'm part of the teaching team here at the Forge. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope that today's talk encourages you. A few years ago, I was able to go to Washington, D.C. and study with a particular church out there. It was an amazing opportunity and I learned a whole lot whilst I was there. It was a time I really know I'll never forget. But there was one day I know that I will always really remember. That morning I'd received a text message from the guy who I was studying from, a guy called Josh, uh, and it told me to dress as smart as I possibly could because he was inviting me to this particular lunch. Now, I didn't really have anything smart to wear because I didn't bring anything over from England. So I asked the guy who I was staying with if he had anything. Now, he was a little bit taller than me, but we eventually found a shirt and some nice chinos, some nice shoes and a nice jumper to go over the top. But I realized that I'd made a huge mistake when I reached the steps of the venue where this lunch was taking place. Everybody, and I mean everyone, was either in really nice suits, dresses or even on some occasions tuxedos. I stood out like nobody's business, and as I walked in, there were some amazing table decorations, and everyone was given their own personal iPad to use for the evening. Everyone was given some really nice iced tea that was topped up whenever you took a sip. The lunch was amazing, and the uh, people there were fascinating. It was an incredibly expensive do. It was a fundraiser for the Museum of the Bible. It opened up a few years ago now, uh, and it's one of the most technologically advanced museums in the world. It was an amazing experience, and, and for me, I love social gatherings, and I love meeting people, so I didn't mind all that much. But for a lot of people, that sensation of not belonging is the worst feeling in the world. It can be embarrassing and vulnerable. It can be exposing. It can be like you are the elephant in the room. It's a horrible sensation. If you're in that place for long enough as well, you just want to try and escape. You want to get out of there as quickly as you can. And for some people, that isn't an option. Maybe you're feeling like you haven't got that sense of belonging in a team that you're in, or maybe you live in a country where you don't speak the language fluently, or perhaps there's something about you. Maybe you've got, uh, you fit into a category or you have a particular belief that causes you to feel like you're not particularly welcome around other people. Now, the thing is, when we have that feeling of not belonging, it might not necessarily be because other people don't want us there. In fact, I think a lot of the time, it takes quite a conscious effort to recognize that other people in the same environment as you might not be experiencing the same thing as you. But here's the thing, when you do feel like that, you just want to escape. The awkward thing is, is that that experience of not feeling like you belong can be exactly the experience many people have when they come to church. It can be a difficult thing to admit because the reality is is I don't know any church that doesn't want to create a warm, welcoming environment for people. In fact, I know hundreds of church leaders and all of them want to create communities where people can come and feel welcome. But we know so many stories where that isn't the case. I mean, maybe you've had that experience and if you're watching online with us now, we're so glad that you've decided to give us a go. Maybe you, you're someone who's got a friend and, and they won't come to church or entertain the idea because they've been before and they now know that it's not really for them. Or maybe you were dragged to church as a child and finally you were given the opportunity when you're old enough to make the decision for yourself and you decided to move away and get away and not come anymore. 
and then you never really felt missed by anybody. If you've had any of those experiences, I'm so sorry that that's the case. It's not right that that's the case. And it's certainly not the, um, the type of community that Jesus ever advocated for. In fact, Jesus encouraged something completely the opposite. In one of the most famous parts of his ministry, we see something profoundly different to the sensation of not belonging. We find this story uh, written by one of Jesus's, uh, Jesus, Jesus's followers, a guy called Matthew. And Jesus is hanging out in some of the communities around the Sea of Galilee. Now, if you've ever been to Israel, you will know that the Sea of Galilee is utterly beautiful. It's actually quite a big lake, and you can walk around it in a few days. But it's surrounded by all this picturesque, green, rocky hills. And you can even see some of the ruins of the communities that used to live there thousands of years ago. But Jesus was in some of these communities, and he finds himself at this cultural crossroads. Now, we know because of what Matthew writes that Jesus was stirring up a bit of a reputation here. In fact, he even says that he has a reputation that goes out into other neighboring nations. Now, consider for a moment that this wasn't a time where you could hop onto an aeroplane or a train. This wasn't a time of social media posts. This wasn't a time of Wi-Fi or internet. This wasn't even a time of that, you know, that much of a celebrity culture. Imagine what you would have to be doing in order that you would gain fame in other neighboring nations. And so people start to come to Jesus because they are curious, not necessarily because they're convinced, but because they're curious. And maybe that's you today as well. Maybe you're curious. But Jesus finds himself in the Sea of Galilee, and people who are curious come in their crowds, and he finds himself at this cultural crossroads. And I really mean that. Look at the type of people who come and see Jesus. Large crowds followed him wherever he went. People from Galilee, the ten towns, Jerusalem, from all over Judea, and from the east of the Jordan River. Here we have five curious crowds who have come to see Jesus. Firstly, we have the people from Galilee. Now, this would make sense. These are religious people, Pharisees, who would often go out and try and hear rabbis speak. But then you have people group number two, people from the other side of the Galilee, the ten towns, the Decapolis, pagans who would have come to the other side of the Galilee to hear Jesus speak. Almost the opposite kind of people to the people of Galilee, the Pharisees, the religious Jews. But it gets weirder. Then you have people group number three, people coming up from Jerusalem, deeply political figures, high priests maybe, Sadducees, people knee-deep perhaps in corruption. And then you'd have people south of Judea, people who would have spat on the floor when referring to these people, people who couldn't stand the highbrow education of those in Galilee, those who couldn't stand the political nature, the uh, high religious nature of the people in Jerusalem. And then you would have had group number five, the people who are east of the Jordan River. Now, we don't particularly know who these people are, but best guests are is that these might have been zealots, religious extremists who are uh, anti the Roman establishment. These five groups could not be more different. These five groups of people did not show up at the same barbecue. But imagine them hearing Jesus was in town, thinking that this guy was for us, turning up and seeing the people that would surprise you the most, each other, 
all of these other groups. You can imagine each one saying in turn as they saw, what are they doing here? And Jesus is with his disciples and he uses this moment to preach the Sermon on the Mount. Now, this may have actually been lots of different messages that Matthew later stitched together, but it was going to be this selection of messages that was going to show the world who Jesus was, what he was about, the type of kingdom he was going to bring, the type of community that he wanted people to live out. This was going to be his mandate for how he wanted faith to look. But before all of that, he sees these crowds and he pulls his disciples in for a discipleship teachable moment. And so imagine you're there, imagine perhaps you're a disciple and you hear your name as you look across these crowds in just awestruck wonder that you've seen all of these groups arrive all at once. Fearful perhaps that riot might break out and you're not sure what you're going to be able to do to try and keep the peace or even if that would be possible. But you hear Jesus call your name and you turn around and you see all of your buddies crouched around Jesus in a small huddle. Jesus is about to give his team talk. And so as you approach the circle, you crouch down and Jesus says something that's going to change the way in which perhaps you've ever seen these people before. Jesus wants to announce to you first, listen, this is how I want my people to behave. This is how I want my kingdom to look. And then he says these words. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is the reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is a weird lesson. I mean, we'd never normally say people who are mourning are blessed people or people who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness because it's nowhere to be found in their community. I mean, those people aren't blessed or people who are poor in spirit. Surely, surely they're not blessed. But I think what Jesus is doing here is profound. He's bringing his disciples in close. And as they look over different crowds, different tribes that they would have always had perhaps prejudices against, that they might have been fearful towards, people who they might have, might have always wanted to avoid, Jesus is pointing at them maybe one by one, pointing out maybe specific individuals. And as a disciple, maybe you're following his finger to see the faces of these people. And Jesus is saying, you see that family there? Blessed are those who mourn because I want to be with those people. I want their heart. I want them to know who I am. And you see those Pharisees who, who keep on getting it wrong and they're, they're so hypocritical, but they, they hunger and thirst for righteousness. Like, blessed are those people. And, and you see those, those pagans out there who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those. I want their heart. I think what Jesus is doing here in this moment is teaching his closest followers 
about his way of life, this kind of community, this kingdom that says, I want to offer and extend an arm of radical inclusivity. And if you want to be part of my kingdom, then then you need to do the same. And it's going to be in this message that he then speaks to these different crowds about loving their enemies, unifying with one another. This was going to be an amazing message, but right at the beginning, he tells his disciples, you see all of these prejudices and all these different labels you put on their tribes and all of the different things you've always thought, all the fears you've had about them. Before any of that, I want you to know that I want their heart. Jesus wants your heart. And he wants you to be the type of person who extends that same arm of inclusivity. I want to share a story that might seem a little bit trivial to you, but you might find helpful. A couple of weeks ago, I came very close to closing my Twitter account. Whilst I don't tweet all that much, I have for a while decided to use this platform just as a tool to engage with and listen to as broad a range of voices as I can, so I can kind of get a bit of a grasp around some of the complexities of differing opinions and issues in the world. I follow people who I agree with a lot of the time and people who I disagree with a lot of the time. People with a variety of different political opinions, an array of different news networks, protesters, activists, campaigners, politicians, priests, rabbis, vicars and monks. People in the media, authors, film directors, comedians, people who are passionate about moral issues and social issues that I would both want to stand with and other times stand up against. I could remember one evening not so long ago, though, that I was scrolling through my Twitter feed with all of these different voices and just feeling overwhelmed by the hatred that people had for one another, overwhelmed by the sense and weight of tribalism that people had that, that really didn't help anyone. And I can remember thinking, maybe I just need to completely remove myself from this area. Maybe it's going to be better for me if I just don't look at this whatsoever. And maybe there are times where that is a healthy thing to do. But it was around this time that I was also looking at Jesus here on the mountain, speaking to all of these different crowds of people. And as I was scrolling, I decided just to focus on one account at a time. And I imagined them there on the hillside, looking up at Jesus as he was about to speak, looking up at Jesus when he was with his disciples and imagining Jesus points at them. Blessed are they. Blessed are they. Blessed are they. Blessed are they. Why? Because I want their heart. I want them to come close. And woe to me if I attach them to a particular tribe or category. Woe to me if I decide that they're not good enough. Woe to me if I decide that they can't join and be close. Woe to me if I forget for a second that Jesus wants their heart as much as he wants my own. Jesus invites us to extend an arm of inclusivity to the outsider, to those who don't yet know him because Jesus wants their heart. He wants them to receive the blessing that only he can offer. He wants them to experience a storyline, a kingdom, a community that nothing else in this world can offer. I want to ask you two questions. And as ever, I want you to perhaps if you're around other people right now, maybe use this opportunity to ask them this question. Or maybe if you're sitting alone or that doesn't feel comfortable, write down your answer because as soon as you speak it out or write it out, it will become more real for you. But here are two questions I want you to ask. Where is it that you sit 
which you think might be too far from God's blessing? Are you sitting on the hillside, worried that perhaps Jesus might look at you? Worried, perhaps, because of something that you've done, because of a situation you're in, because of a failure that you live with? Jesus wants to point you out and he says, I want your heart and I want you to bring that stuff to me because it might be that very thing that he wants to perform a blessing in, that he wants to sh- might show himself through. The second question I want to ask you is this, who do you know who needs to be shown the blessing God wants for them? Someone perhaps who doesn't think how you think, do what you do, or perhaps even look how you look. Who is it that you instinctively exclude who Jesus wants to include? Who is it that you put barriers up against when Jesus also wants their heart too? Who is it that you need to extend an arm of inclusivity for to show them that Jesus wants a blessing for them as well? Jesus wants their heart. Jesus wants your heart. Jesus wants to extend an arm of radical inclusivity for the outsider. And as uncomfortable as that might make us feel, it's far better than the discomfort of feeling alone and feeling like you don't belong. It's always better together. That's all for this week. Thanks once again for joining us. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so why not check out Forge Church UK on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram? Or go online at forgechurch.com where you can watch other content, find a next step, give financially, or see any details of what's currently going on in and around the Ford. We're looking forward to you joining us next time.